live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. As I was saying a couple minutes ago, I had one of those sort of interesting kind of comes the dawn experiences over the weekend. I posted a tweet Saturday afternoon that has has gone viral. It's one of these things where for the last two days, you know, the the phone is kind of pinging constantly saying followers or, you know, people are getting likes or or whatever. And it got, I sent it out, it got picked up by a number of politicians and um, my my former colleague and friend Dan O'Donnell, who does a show up the dial, was sending it out. But it's, I think what we need to do if we're going to figure out how to get out of this coronavirus mess that we're in sooner rather than, than later. And, look, I know there were protests over the weekend. For reasons I'll explain later, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of those. But I will tell you, the, the whack-a-mole, one-size-fits-all strategy that Governor Tony Evers is rolling out now is not sustainable, and it does not make sense based on the numbers, and let me tell you the story as to where I got that. If you want to see the tweet I sent out, you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But, but here's the deal. Typically, after I get done with a show, I will get my wife and we'll get our dog and we'll go on like a mile walk around the neighborhood. Just, you know, get out, clear your head, do things like that. On the weekends, we tend to do longer walks. And we tend to kind of go outside the neighborhood. So we'll drive to a park, or I, I like to walk on city streets. So we'll, we'll drive to certain communities and walk on the sidewalks. Saturday afternoon, we went up to Cedarburg. I I happen to love downtown Cedarburg. I think downtown Cedarburg, it's kind of like quintessential Main Street USA. And I know there's a lot of towns that have Main Street USA. And typically on a Saturday afternoon, a nice sunny Saturday afternoon at the end of April, Cedarburg would be packed, the Main Street. So we drive out there, we park at the south end, and there's a pancake restaurant. And the plan is we're going to walk north, Uh, about three-quarters of a mile, which is like the Main Street, and then kind of double back, and then you go, and there's a park that's a block off Main Street. So we we do the walk, end up walking about uh, two-plus miles to to do the circle. And there were some businesses that were open. A lot of, they had like restaurants, there were coffee shops and stuff that had a take-up window, and so there were small gaggles of of people that were around. So it wasn't empty, but my guess is there were probably about 15% of the people that would have typically been there on a Saturday afternoon. And as you're walking past one business after another, these businesses are shuttered, and you're wondering, okay, is this business ever going to open up again? So we get back, and I'm thinking, and this is not a unique experience to Cedarburg. This is an experience that is going around on small towns all across Wisconsin and larger towns as well. And I found myself thinking, all right, we, we, I'm looking at this, this town that is closed down, and I'm wondering how many actual cases of COVID-19 are there in Cedarburg that we have essentially closed the, the city down? 
I, I just it was just I'm wondering what we have done this for. And now you're, you're, it's going to be impossible, I guess, to get the data for Cedarburg alone. But I'm thinking, OK, let, let's think about Ozaki County. You know, and there's there's about 88,000 people in Ozaki County, which includes Athensville and Mequon and Port Washington and and Cedarburg and some other communities as well. You know, there's no question if I would have if we had taken our walk along the lake on the main street in Port Washington, my, my guess is the experience would be absolutely the same. So I was just kind of curious. Because when we get the reports and when we cover the governor's press conference that he has every day at 1.30 and they bring out the woman who's the, the acting head of the Department of Health, they, they give us raw numbers. They say, okay, well, we've had, you know, X number of coronavirus cases, you know, across the state, et cetera, and X number of hospitalizations and all that. But they don't tell us where these are coming from. So I, I came home on Saturday afternoon and, and I got curious. Every day at 2 o'clock, the state issues new numbers, new daily numbers. How many positive cases are there in all 72 counties, county by county? Um, What's the current number? So I I pull that up. But they don't tell you, you know, what, what the growth has been. They don't give you, gee, how many new cases were there in this county or, or that county. It's just the total number. And so <clears throat> I became curious because I'm trying to figure out, are we are we really seeing, uh, is, there, is there a flattening of the curve? What's going on? Now, keep in mind, when, when we started all the, these quarantines and these shutdowns, the goal has always been to, quote, unquote, flatten the curve. Coronavirus is going to be with us until we get a vaccine or find a, 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 a treatment or, or probably both. That's a year to a year and a half away. The idea behind all the shelter at home and stay at home and all these type of things is to make sure that we do not overwhelm a medical system. That that's you know flatten the curve, level it out so that the number of people who are going to get sick we we can't reduce it to zero. We're not going to be able to reduce it to zero. We just want to make sure that the number of people who are getting sick don't overwhelm the health system. Well, it seems to me if that's the case, you've you got to know how many people are getting sick, and you've got to track how many people are getting sick, and Wisconsin is a big state. And the idea that one size fits all, if you've got a problem that's going on in, in one community, does that mean that you need to apply the same rules to that community that you do to other communities? So what I did was I pulled up the numbers from a week ago Saturday, because I was just kind of curious. So I, I went to the, the same place and said, all right, I want to look at what were the numbers on April 11th. Same chart. Let's compare apples to apples. What were the numbers and the county-by-county county numbers April 11th, and what were they April 18th? All right, let's look at what's happened over a week across Wisconsin. And here's, here's what those numbers are. There are 72 counties in Wisconsin. In 62 of those 72 counties, 62 counties reported 10 or fewer new coronavirus cases. 62 of 72 counties reported 10 or fewer new coronavirus cases. Of those 62 counties that had 10 or less, 56 had five or less. 56 had five or less. 
25 counties had no new cases. 25 counties across Wisconsin had no new cases. 56 had five or less, and then another six had 10 or less. All right, of the other 10 counties that had more than 10, three had 13 or less. Two had 10, and I think one had 13. So, again, if there, there are unquestionably counties that, that had increases. If you look at the week-to-week, Brown County had a particularly bad week. The numbers of uh, cases went up in Brown County. Um, Milwaukee was up 412. Brown County was up 144. Um, Dane County actually up 31. I mean, that's and that's week to week. It, it's so it, it's not like it's multiplying or doubling or any. But you know, Brown County had a spike, and in Milwaukee County, 412. It wasn't like an exponential increase, but yeah, there, there, there were still those cases that were there. But over the vast majority of the state, over the vast majority of the state, 62 out of the 72 counties, there, there, there's not a spike. And there's not a huge incidence of this. And in many counties, 25, there's no increase. There's nobody else getting sick. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What I think is frustrating that we are not hearing from the governor is this refusal to recognize that Wisconsin is a big state, and that one size fits all doesn't make any sense. In the western part of the state, there is almost no growth in the number of coronavirus cases. Almost none. I mean, I, you know, a couple in Eau Claire County. You know, I, I don't. I think La Crosse might have had no new coronavirus cases in a week. So you have large areas of the state where. The problem is under control. So my question becomes, why aren't we rolling out things region by region, recognizing that what you might need to do in Milwaukee County right, isn't necessarily appropriate for the upper two-thirds of the state of Wisconsin? And how long do you keep large chunks of the state of Wisconsin closed on the op, on the possibility that the G maybe somehow we're going to have this huge outbreak. Now, I am not suggesting that automatically you flip a switch and you say, okay, we're, we're just we're going to pretend this doesn't exist. You know, everybody go back to business as normal. But when it comes to opening businesses with restrictions, um, when it comes to encouraging people, okay, go outside now, but we want you to continue to practice social distancing. Don't the rules that don't you have to be mathematically driven? Don't you have to look at what is going on in certain parts of the state and say, all right, there's there's nothing up here, and and we can, we we can keep we can keep you closed. We can order main streets all across this state shut down 
for weeks and weeks and weeks in anticipation of something that hasn't happened and doesn't look like it's going to happen. But at that point, at some point in time, what is the end game if we understand and accept the notion that we're not, there's always going to be a possibility that people are going to come down with coronavirus until we get a vaccine? And even then, because there's people who aren't going to go out and get the vaccine. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When you look at the numbers, the actual hard numbers, numbers and you see that it there's very different pictures in certain parts of the state the idea that one size fits all makes no sense the idea that you have to flatten a curve well in in large parts of the state there's not a curve to flatten or to the extent that there ever was a curve that curve is flat so how can we continue to talk about a one size fits all strategy don't we need to be smarter than that? 855-616-1620. And again, I'm not encouraging people to abandon social distancing, and I'm suggesting that if you're going to open up bars and restaurants, particularly in the areas where there's there's no COVID-19 or almost no COVID-19, you have to do it smart, and you have to do it with limitations on occupancy and distancing and all that type of stuff. But But is it reasonable to expect people in... I don't know, Wausau, to wait until we've got a prandle on the stuff in Milwaukee. 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to see the numbers again, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm going to do the math guy. And so Saturday I sat down and I pulled up the numbers of new coronavirus cases county by county in the state over the last week. And the vast majority of the state, 62 out of the 72 counties, 10 or fewer cases. 56 of those counties, 5 or fewer cases. 25, no new cases at all. All right, so, so how long do we keep the state shut down? For on the promise or the possibility that, gee, I don't know, um, the, the western part of the state, we, we might have people from Milwaukee that are going to, on Saturday, drive to lacrosse to have their dog groomed or to go to a bar. That, that to me, makes no sense to me at, at all. It seems to me we have to be looking at stuff region by region and then saying, okay, we can start releasing, maybe we can start relaxing the rules in areas that haven't been hit as hard. And if if it turns out that all of a sudden you have a spike, well, okay, then, then we can start rolling back these things. But But don't we have to be more systematic and smarter and recognize that this is a really big state and what might be appropriate for Eau Claire or La Crosse isn't necessarily appropriate for, I don't know, Racine. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Ron in Delafield. Hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yes, sir. It's my belief that the per- Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I believe, uh, from my experience, the further away you get from the top of the uh, command chain, the more work to get done. I think the uh, local people, that would be mayors and county officials, should be in charge of that area. They should follow certain guidelines set out by the governor and the state. And from that point, uh, they know the people, the local people, the local industries and businesses best, 
And I think between those local people, they can figure out what to really do to get this state pack open. And I think they could do it in a relatively safe and quick way. Yeah, that's my feelings. Yep. Thank you. No, Ron, th- th- right, no, th- thanks for the call. And see, and that's, and that's what originally struck. If you will remember, before, I mean, Governor Evers kind of has the, has had this whack-a-mole strategy where every day it was it was a different, okay, this is what our rules are going to be, and then the next day this is what our rules are going to be, and the next day this is what our rules are going to be. If you will remember, um, and Tom Barrett, the mayor of Milwaukee, he came out with a more restrictive set of rules for the city of Milwaukee than, than the state did. And, and I, I understand I, I, I understand that. Now, I'm getting a lot of texts which are, well, you want a rollback of safe at home? How do you roll back region by region? Real, real easy. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's real easy, you know, as opposed to, well, you, you say, okay, well, this is the hot spots, hot spots, southeastern Wisconsin. So, you know, we're going to leave these rules in place, but we're going to loosen them up for, you know, all these counties that aren't showing this growth. How many new cases or deaths are okay before safe at home should be reinstated in opened areas? That's what the question is. Okay, here's the reality then. I mean, you, and see, this is what I think some people forget or don't want to pay attention to. We're not going to have a cure. This whole flatten the curve argument has always been don't overwhelm health care systems. Let, let's not let's get this under control so we don't have a situation where, you know, all of a sudden you, you, you have more you you're out of hospital beds, etc. In Wisconsin we have more than eleven thousand hospital beds and and there's less than 500, I believe, right now that are that are occupied with the coronavirus situation. So we're not close to that point. Now, again, I'm not advocating that that people don't maintain social distancing. I'm not advocating that you open up Miller Park and have 40,000 people sitting side by side. But I do think for I don't know the, the the lady that sells flowers at the flower shop, or I always use the example of, of the dog groomer, or maybe the bar that's you know got the outdoor patio that can have I don't know half as many people. Maybe we need to start figuring out ways to allow those people to start to go back to work so their businesses aren't destroyed. Can't you do it in a fashion that is reasonable? And it seems to me the first element of reasonableness is trying to decide, okay, what the risk is. What is the risk? And if you're going to try to figure out what the risk is, don't you have to look at how prevalent the, in this case, the, the virus is in particular communities. And I understand the argument you get as well. If you, if you allow, I don't know, this business to open up, if you allow the barbershop to open up in La Crosse, all of a sudden you're going to have everybody flocking up there. Really? I mean, you, really? <laughs> Come on. I mean, let's, let, let us be real. You're going you're gonna to drive from Milwaukee to La Crosse to get your hair cut? That's... That, to me, makes no sense. And and how far do you carry this? Because, for example, it's closer to Milwaukee from Chicago than it is to um, from Chicago to Eau Claire, from Milwaukee to Eau Claire. So are, are we going to say, well, gee, you know, we, we have to keep our restrictions here because there's otherwise we're going to have people from Chicago that are going to be coming up. At, at, at what point do you have to make these decisions in a data-driven sense? Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, let's go to Gianni in Montello. You're in WTMJ. 
Oh yes, Jeff. Um, hey, listen. This is this is getting to be ridiculous. Um, if, the, if there is a uh, lowering of the curve or flattening of the curve uh, over the next week, um, the governor needs to open up the counties that um, that, that that have uh, no cases or diminished cases, if if any. But we, this has gone on too far. Too far. Uh, mom and pop businesses have to get have to get back in in the business and i'm reminded by uh some great dialogue uh in a, in a favorite movie of mine um in a city council meeting in amity mass um are you going to close the beaches yes we are <laughs> murray hamilton says only for 24 hours well we need to take that uh, Okay, let me ask you, because you're talking about the curve. You're, you're, you're calling from Montella, so you're Marquette County, is that right? You're in Marquette County? We, we are, yeah, a very rural county, right, right. Okay, Mar- no, Marquette County. Okay, just to give you an idea, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers as of Saturday. The entire time, Marquette County has had three reported cases of, of coronavirus, the whole county, for all the time, right. three reported cases, and one in the last week. I, I would argue... And, again, I like your idea. Let's give it another week and and let's see. But there's not not a curve in Marquette County to flatten. I mean, there's there's, there's just – it's not there. And and we want to keep it out of there, which is why, again, you want to encourage people to do safe – you know, social distancing. But why not be able to do, like, soft openings of these businesses, including, you know, bars and restaurants and things like that, um, just on on the off chance that – Okay, well, maybe there's going to be a spike. Then if there is a spike, then you react to it. But I, I just think you have to look at this, and it's got to be numbers-driven. And the same thing can be said for, Mark, for, for Washera County to the north of us. I, I think there, there probably hasn't been a case there in a couple of weeks, I don't think, or maybe one. So. Um, uh, Washera, no, to give you an idea. Okay, Washera, two, <clears throat> two cases the entire time, two reported cases of coronavirus okay. the whole time, None in the last week. None in the last week. Oh, okay. So, now, thank- can you publish? Is that is, is the website uh, that we can link into? Is that on WGMJ website so we can look? Well, at no. It, what uh, what what it is is it's just it's just the state website. I mean, the state comes out with these numbers every every day, and mm-hmm. they do a county by county breakdown. But they don't show they don't show the growth by day, and they don't show the growth week by week. So what I did is I pulled the Saturday numbers last Saturday, and then I went back and I pulled the numbers from the previous Saturday, and then I just sat down and, <laughs> just, and just did the math. Thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. I mean, and to give you an idea, I mean, Wood, Wood County, as long as we're talking about that area. Okay, Wood County, that's kind of what, like, sort of Wisconsin Rapids, right? Uh, two cases overall, no new cases in the last week. Uh, 25 counties with no cases in the last week, none, and 62 of the 72 counties with less than 10 56 with less than, than five. So, I, I mean, here, here's what the governor needs to do. You, you need to say, okay, we're, we're going to take this region by region. And, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not saying that you, you, you abandon your, your principles. I'm not saying that you, you all right, now we're going to start having, if we want to have minor league baseball games up in Wisconsin Rapids, we're, we're going to have several thousand people gather together. No, but, but can't you start using the data to make empirical decisions? And I understand that, that some people argue that if you don't have everything closed, you're going to have... I don't know, people from Milwaukee that are going to drive 250 miles to get to Eau Claire, however long Eau Claire is from Milwaukee, um, and, and that they might bring some of that with them. I, I guess I think the chance of that 
in the real world is so incredibly remote that it's not a justification for closing or forcing all the businesses in Eau Claire, for example, to stay closed. I mean, it's just, and, and you got to keep in mind, if that's going to be your rationale, you're never going to open up anything because there's always going to be cases of coronavirus until we get that vaccine or we, we get the treatment. And that's a long, 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 long way off. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tim in West Dallas. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, thanks for answering Thank the phone call. I just want to—I sure. just want to say that these numbers are great. You know, there's no one else that wants to stay open more than me. But do right. these all these separate counties qualify that gating process? And the, and step one and step two and step three. Um, well, do they do they qualify for that? I guess that's that's my well, only question and concern. Well, here, do they have enough tests? Well, and I mean, here, so well, here's so. what I can. T- fair, fair enough. Thanks for the call, Tim. Here's I mean, here here's. I mean, I, I actually one of my friends just pulled this up and sent that he actually went and looked at the reopening guidelines. And I mean, the, the guidelines for reopening are implementable on a statewide or county by county basis at the governor's discretion. So you, you could I, I mean, again, I, I'm looking at these numbers and, and one of the first criteria, the first criteria is, is, is there no no appreciable growth? And, and the answer in large chunks of the state, the answer is, is yes. Now, the, the number of tests that are, are available um, per population, I, I don't know that off the top of my head. But I, I do know that in the last month, you know, we've been doing this and you've seen no spikes in large chunks of, of the state. It is, in fact, under control. Now, some people say, well, you, you don't want a rural area to get overwhelmed. Well, yeah, of course you don't want a rural area to get overwhelmed. But but at the same time, all right, if, if there's none of this up there, why do we assume that all of a sudden the area is going to get overwhelmed? And again, I... You, you might open up places. I, I'm fully expecting that. You make a decision. You open up a, an area. Do a soft opening. Uh, again, do a soft opening and then see where it goes. And then, you know, you, you kind of, you know, put a little bit more gas on, on the pedal, that type of, of stuff. But this one-size-fits-all approach, that is what I am railing about, and I do not believe it is based on the numbers. And, by the way, I, I think it, it's it's inconsistent with I think even a lot of the guidelines we're we're getting. You can't, you know, you, you can't look at the state of Wisconsin just as a whole. We clearly have areas where you you've got an you've got a growth of we're not there in certain areas of the state. Now I would be curious to see where some of these increased numbers are coming from. I, I think it's really interesting. And I'm not being a conspiracy theorist about this, but it's really interesting that the state doesn't give nursing home numbers because my sense is, and it's just a sense, my sense is that if you're looking at the areas where you've gotten like a, a lot of these spikes, a lot of it's coming from nursing homes. And, and that's that's a whole different ball game because I think the way we deal with this, nursing homes, you know, moving forward and what we're going to require and, and what's going to happen when people are visiting folks who are in there, that, that's going to be a whole new world. But, but again, don't we need to know, number one, 
where the hot spots are, and then number two, okay, where in those hot spots that the real problem areas are, and then don't we need to, to deal with that? Keep in mind, flattening the curve was never, ever intended to be about guaranteeing that somebody's not going to catch coronavirus, because we can't do that. Flattening the curve was intended to make sure we don't overwhelm health care systems. And I think it's more than time to roll out a plan for soft openings, not necessarily today, not necessarily tomorrow, but to say we're going to keep the whole state closed for another six-plus weeks. Well, all right, good, good luck with Good luck with those businesses on main streets all across the state of Wisconsin if you do that. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Now, having said what I've said about the the idea that I think we need to start reopening the state faster than, than than six weeks and how one size fits all doesn't make any sense to me at the same time it, it, it you, there's a legal process to do this and I don't think individual people should be making these decisions um, there is the owner of a well Jackson's blue ribbon pub in Wauwatosa which is not the same as the blue ribbon pub downtown different owners he announces that he plans to open his dining room effective May 1st, and he's going to practice social distancing. The guy was all over the news talking about, um, well, I'm, I'm going to do this, and I'm, I'm going to limit the, the capacity and things like that. All right, and, and he's going to do it regardless of what the order is. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We cannot have people taking the law into their own hands, at least in, in my opinion. We... we we can say, you know, I sympathize with the guy, and I do. The, the Tavern League, the Tavern League has, is out publicly saying that they think that, that restaurants and taverns should be able to open effective, you know, May 1st with different requirements. All employees wearing masks and gloves, practicing social distancing, no tables of more than six people, tables six feet apart, et cetera, et cetera, but with various rules. I, I actually... I think that the Tavern League, particularly in large chunks of the state, what the rules that they're suggesting would make sense for, again, a soft reopening. Having said that, you can't allow individual businesses to decide that we don't care, I don't care what the law is, I'm going to go ahead and do this anyways. And if he sincerely, if there's not a change, if the rules aren't relaxed, and he sincerely does it, well, then what happens is the police have to show up and the police have to shut it down. And again, I understand where this guy is coming from, but you can't allow people to take the law into their their own hands. And you can agitate to change the law. You can sue in court to say the governor doesn't have the power to do this. You can contact your legislature, etc. But I, I'm not I'm not sympathetic when people say we don't care what the law is, we're going to do our, our own thing anyways. And to me, it's one of those things where it, it sincerely May 1st rolls around and there hasn't been a change and somebody decides that they're going to open up their bar or restaurant regardless of what the state of the law is. At that point in time, you, you need to shut it down. 
don't you? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We take a break in just a minute. Back with more of your calls. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff, you're 100% right. We cannot have individuals taking the law into their own hands. But at the same time, we can't have government taking away our constitutional rights. So quite frankly, I have no idea where the balance is. Thanks for talking about the subject. Well, I mean, here... Here is is the balance. And no, people are saying, well, this isn't a law that's passed by the legislature. No, but the the governor has emergency authority to issue orders in the name of public health. Now, I think that order, his authority, expires in mid-May. I I think he's way beyond his his time when he tries to extend it through the end of May. But but there's going to be a court case about that, that the courts decide that. And, And I appreciate that people think, well, it's unconstitutional to say we have to close down the businesses. Well, okay, the the remedy that you have then is you bring a lawsuit. You you, you go to the courts and you have the courts say, okay, the governor is acting in an unconstitutional fashion. You 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 can't have individuals that come in and decide that they're going to you know they're going to decide what laws they follow that that's anarchy you know and, and this isn't a left or right or a conservative or a liberal issue it's it's just it's flat out you know anarchy you can't have individual people saying this is the rule that i'm going to follow and and so look i i, I understand i'm the guy arguing that i think we should like start to have soft openings i'm sympathetic to what the guy is going through but i don't think you can just unilaterally say i'm going to open up and if they do decide to open up, then I, I think authorities are within their rights to close them down. Sandy in Stevens Point. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I think, first of all, I think it was quite clever of him to get some free advertising out there for his establishment, yep. but I'm not saying he's right or wrong, and I, I, I definitely, my heart goes out to all of these establishments that are shut down. But um, I think he's suicidal in the sense that um, he could have his liquor license taken away and or when it comes up for renewal, good luck in getting it back. Well, that's, you know, that that's the issue. And I, I think some people, the first thing I thought of, too, was, is this, is it kind of a publicity stunt, you know, that, that you're, you're doing this? And, and right. I, I'm sure that there's an element to that. Uh, I, again, um, I, I'm sympathetic to it, but you, you can't have people just willy-nilly deciding this is a law I'm going to follow and this isn't a law I'm, I'm going to follow. Hey, thanks for the call, Sandy. I, I appreciate that. The, the same thing comes in, maybe we'll touch on it a little bit later, but um, the, the sheriff in Racine County, you know, announcing over the weekend that he, he's not going to enforce safer at home. And by the way, that the sheriff at Racine County, I consider to be a, a friend. I am a fan of his. I, I was kind of shaking my head though when he came out and made those statements because I, I just don't think this is helpful right right now. I mean I, I I do think it is fair and reasonable to say to the governor that these orders that you are coming down with are overbroad and you need to rethink this and you need to tailor them. I think that that's fair. It is fair to say to the governor this order that you have closing the state through the end of may is probably extra legal and and that's that's fine there's going to be a lawsuit the supreme court will decide that but to say i'm not going to enforce this law or i'm going to ignore this particular law i just i don't that doesn't strike me as right all right when we come back well lots of things related to this regardless of what the law is all right would would you do it i'm going to explain in just a minute stick around this is jeff wagner 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. You know, I, I actually, as I was looking at the protests that, that broke out about Governor Evers extending his order through Memorial Day over the weekend, and I, 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 matter of fact, I sent out a tweet like this as well. I, I appreciate the right of people to protest. At the same time, you know, there is a value to social distancing. And candidly, I think it's counterproductive for hundreds of people to, to go out, you know, without masks and stand shoulder to shoulder. I, I think it's we're not out of the woods on this. And I think you can legitimately say, hey, we need to figure out a way to have soft openings. But but these huge public rallies where people are standing shoulder to shoulder, again, I think it's it's kind of tone deaf where we are. Just like I think the governor was tone deaf when he tried to extend an order through through, through Memorial Day. If the governor would have come out last week and said, hey, we're, we're seeing all this progress, particularly in large chunks of the state, you know, we I want to continue to safer at home through the end of this month. Let's extend it another week and we're going to look at it on a week-to-week basis i i don't think there would have been anywhere near the, the backlash and he wouldn't have created the legal problems for himself as to whether he has the authority to extend it beyond mid-may so i think there, there's been a lot of mishandling about this well the last segment of the program we were talking about this guy who owns this bar in Wauwatosa who says I, I'm, I'm going to open up regardless well and and i'm, I'm not a fan of that and my guess is He's going to be shut down if he does it. But one of the things that's interesting to me about reopening is the whole notion that even if if we have soft reopenings, I think there's a lot of people who aren't going to aren't going to be going along with the program. And by that I mean, see, th- this has changed a, a lot of us. So over the weekend, I had an opportunity to talk talk to a, a couple of friends of mine. I have a couple of friends who are in. I will just say they are seventy plus. Healthy, uh, very, very active, healthy with kind of an asterisk that I'm going to explain in just a minute, but, but 70 plus. And in one case, one of my friends um, who had a birthday over the weekend, he, he's had respiratory issues. Okay, He is understandably, and, and all of us are, are scared, as you know what, that he would be exposed to coronavirus because, I mean, again, he, he's had respiratory issues. He hasn't left the house since this whole thing popped up. Another one of my friends... 70 plus incredibly active um just just beat cancer had 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 cancer and you know went through a round of treatments and is is doing just absolutely great but at the same time this, this you know if he were to catch this this could be a death sentence for him and i had a chance to had a chance to see him over the weekend maintaining appropriate social distancing see for a lot of people even if you you allow soft openings of businesses etc we're we're not we're not going to go do it. I mean, my my friends, I I, I think it's going to be a long time before they go back into even semi crowded restaurants or or be in even in close proximity to any any large group of people. And by large, I mean ten or more, because again of particular concerns for that. I don't want to get sick. I don't want my wife to get sick. I don't want our friends to, to get sick. And I'm, I'm not necessarily one of the vulnerable populations. I bring this up because, as I was mentioning earlier, the Tavern League is suggesting, look, 
we, we, we think that we should be able to start doing soft reopenings of bars and restaurants. And they say, okay, we, we should have requirements. And these, by the way, are consistent with requirements that other governors are putting into place across the country, like in California, for example. Require all employees to wear masks and gloves. Practice social distancing of six feet all tables six feet apart, no tables of more than six people, reduce on-premise capacity by 50%, outdoor eating and drinking with six feet distancing permitted, no salad bars, no self-serve buffets, no table condiments, eliminate paper menus. So all those things for a soft opening. Okay, on the one hand, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me because you're still maintaining proximity. But here's what I want to talk to you about. Let us say we did that, right? And, and we allowed soft openings of bars and restaurants with those various restrictions. I still would imagine that there are large chunks of people who wouldn't go anyways. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, open or closed, you know, my days of, of going into, like, crowded sports bars, they're, they're, I don't know if they're over for good, but not that there's any sports to watch on TV anymore, but I, I, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, do, do I want to be around large groups of people in really close quarters? The, the answer is no. So I want to take your temperature, no pun intended. I mean, if we were to, with these restrictions, start to reopen taverns and restaurants, would you go? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I mean, w- would you go? Because it's one thing to, to, you know, wave the magic wand and say we're going to open them with restrictions. And these are things in, in general. I mean, I don't know statewide, but certainly regionally, I, I think they're, they're more than justified. But I seriously wonder, even if you do this, are people going to flock back to the places, or are we a long way away from that? 855-616-1620. Um, Jeff, I'm 50 years old. I have diabetes. I will be there as soon as they opened. Huh. 855-616-1620. Um, Jeff, uh, let's see. Um, in 10 minutes. I would be there. I'd go there. Jeff, I'm 31 years old. I've never missed going to a restaurant more in my life. I cannot wait to enjoy a delicious steak dinner at a particular place. All right, 855-616-1620. Gru is back at the studio lining up the calls. All right, if they if they open, are you going to go? And I, the reason I'm thinking of this, I, I will tell you in all honesty, if if these friends of mine who, who both have these these medical issues, if they were to say to me, hey, the, the restaurant in our particular community is reopened, do you want to go out to dinner? I, my, my reaction would be, are you nuts? Because, again, you know, maybe it's different strokes for different folks. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I will wait two or three weeks to go anywhere to see what happens. I'm 52, eight years old, two years cancer-free. Um, congratulations. Jeff, I would be there without a doubt as soon as they open up. Jeff, my wife and I live in western Waukesha County. I'm 62. My wife is 57. We would have no issues going out if the restaurant or bar adhered to the social distancing regimens. We can't wait to patronize our local restaurants again. Jeff, I'm 66. have no problem with it. No mask, no gloves. Let me get it now because three years from now I could die. I'm ready to go back to work. 
Um, da, 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 da. Jeff, um, I would not go. I'm 68 with no underlying conditions. The virus affects everyone differently. I don't want to get violently um, sick. Let's see. Jeff, I would absolutely go. 40 years old. I work every day in a gas station. <laughs> well, that, that, that is kind of... That is one of the the ironies that, that's out there that we have all sorts of people who are, you know, ha- having contact with the public on a, on a regular basis. Whether you're you're working in the the grocery stores or the gas stations or your factories are open or whatever, but we're saying, but but you can't. Okay, so you have regular contact with all sorts of people um, as part of your job, but with appropriate measures, we're we're not going to let you go out and, and have a drink. I, I think, and again, there is that. There is that disconnect that I, I think is is hitting some people. Um, 855-616-1620. But what would you do? Um, let's talk to Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Hope you're staying well. Sure, Mark. I am. What do you think? Yeah. You know, I think there's only one thing that would get in the way of, of me going back out. And trust me, I want to go get my hair cut. I want to go hit the sports bar uh, just as much as the next guy. But we've got a, a percentage of the population, small, but still, that still seem to think that this is all just overblown, out of proportion, or some big hoax. still not taking it seriously. And you can go anywhere, whether it's a gas station, Walmart, and a lot of people are respecting the rules that have been put in place, but then you just still have those sticks in the mud, the idiots that think, oh, you know what, I don't have to worry about this. I'm still not going to take it seriously. If we didn't have people like that, we would have already flattened the curve and the economy would be back open 100%. But the reason it's not yet is because you still got the people who just can't listen to anybody but themselves, and, and that's why I'm still hesitant to go out, even when things are going to open back up, because you still got those, those people out there no. that are just as likely no, to be I, still carrying it. No, well, thanks for calling. And I mean, I think that is the reality. I think that's why it, it is going to be a, a quote-unquote gradual return to normal, because even if you, you open these places, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are, are just going to say, look, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to wait. Don't know how long they're going to wait, but I'm I'm going to to wait and in some cases like i say i mean i I certainly understand it if you're if if you are in one of these at-risk groups or you've got the underlying respiratory problems or you're a cancer survivor you know i mean of of course you know you you don't want to take any sort of chances at all but as a matter of fact i mean i i I, I wouldn't just take. I wouldn't just consider it for like COVID nineteen, which is more contagious for the flu. But but for all these different things, uh, Jeff, I run a Lake Michigan charter fishing business in Wisconsin. I have not had a call for a trip in four weeks. In fact, I've lost ten trips since the governor announced the extension. Most cancellations are from out of state people who say they will not be traveling this summer. People will be scared for some time to come yeah on the other hand here's another text jeff i would go i'm i'm i am going it's not change i really don't plan on changing anything um through all of this thanks all right 855-616-1620 let's talk to uh, danny in west Dallas. hi danny you're on wtmj yeah how you doing i'm good thank you okay when bars and restaurants start opening up are you going back right away well here's my problem I'm a musician, so I'm at one point I'm eager to have them open again, but at the same time I'm very worried because now you add in the aspect of people serving you. Mm-hmm. Like for example, in a bar, okay, somebody can be wearing 
plastic glove or rubber gloves to serve you your Jack and Coke or not. Because before we closed up the bars, um, a buddy of mine was playing playing in one nightclub somewhere with his band. He ended up getting COVID-19 from the bartender. Whole band got sick. He died from it. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. that scares the heck out of me. Yeah, so I mean, I I mean, th- thanks for call. I mean, I get I get it. So you're under that circumstance, you're going to be reluctant to do it. And I, I mean, you want to talk about an industry that that's really been devastated, but it's it's musicians, for for example, it's and it's I mean, it's all the you know the the people that make their living by by playing in the bars and playing at the summer festivals and all that. That that's that's pretty much dried up. It, it's one of the reasons. I mean, I, I saw that I, the other last week we were talking about the Fourth of July, and I mean, I've been watching all these dominoes fall when it comes to uh, events and i mean i i I mean this is going to be a fourth of july like none other i mean i just i i can't imagine the fourth of july parades and the fireworks i saw glendale around here just canceled their their fourth of july celebrations And, and my guess is my guess is other places are going to do it as well in part because people just aren't going to be i don't think I don't think we're going to be back there yet. I, I think that I don't. I just don't see us feeling comfortable. By us, I mean in general, feeling comfortable in getting together with with large groups of people. It's going to be kind of a gradual process. Now, I got a text from somebody who runs. He says he runs a small bar and grill in in Jefferson, and he he's been in touch with you know his regulars, and you know he's, he's confident that most of them are going to come back. I, it is interesting because I, I will say that. Um, some of the, the the places that I'm a regular at, that my wife and I are regulars at, and and we've kind of kept in touch with the owners of, of those. And I guess m- maybe this is silly. I'm more likely to go to those places because, uh, again, I, I think I have a, a degree of confidence that I know what they're going to do to keep the bars and, and restaurants open and things like that. Because I, I'm a known, I'm, I know who it is that runs these places, and, and so I'm going to be. I'm going to. I admit. I'm going to be kind of dipping my toe in as opposed to just, oh, it's great, let's go out every night. And I think that's going to be the reality of where a lot of people are. So I do think we need to start doing this in a gradual basis. And I think we also need to monitor it because, heck, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe when we start to do these soft openings, what you're going to see is you're suddenly going to see spikes in the number of, of viruses. And, and, and if that's the case, then you have to be you know, willing to say, OK, look, we, we did this too soon and we need to we need to pull back. But I, I think, you know, you, you, everybody's going to do their, their own thing in their own time. Water is going to find its own level, if I can use another cliche that's out of there. And I, I think that that's going to be the reality. Um, here's the text that kind of makes the point I was just making. Uh, Jeff, I won't run back to any large chains, but I will run back to support businesses that are owned by by friends. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that that's that's kind of it. I, I feel a different comfort level with some of the places that I end up knowing well. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the governor, like I said, I think he's brought some of these protests on himself 
by the overreaching degree of this order. And, and hopefully, you know, he'll roll some of this stuff back. I mean, there, there's been we, we've been open to a variety of type of things. And and hopefully we can avoid a lot of the litigation and we can avoid the problems with the protests simply by the governor taking a more reasonable approach as to when we're going to start opening stuff up and with, you know, appropriate rules that are put in place. But at the same time, even though stuff is opened up, I mean, geez, if for some reason you could say, okay, I'm going to open up a place that, you know, 300 or 400 people can go and we can have a music venue, I'm not sure I'm going to feel comfortable for a while putting myself in that position. And I know there's some people who are probably never going to feel comfortable putting themselves in that position again. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Hey, here is a very, very cool initiative that we are doing at WTMJ. I had our general sales manager on, I believe, Friday to talk about this. Southeastern Wisconsin is open for business. And during these unprecedented times, it's more important than ever to support local businesses. Head to WTMJ.com right now, and you'll find this link. It says, We're Open. And it's right on the home page. At that, you click on the link, you will see a list of businesses in your community where your family, your friends, and your neighbors are open for business. And if you're a business owner, you can head to WTMJ.com to add your business as well. Open for business from WTMJ. It is a very, very cool initiative. And uh, if, if you want your business to participate, there's information about that as well. And I'm very glad that you're that we're doing this. Um, here's an email from Lisa. She says, Jeff, I'm listening to your show, and I want to make the following comment. It doesn't matter if people go to businesses once they open. I believe it should be a choice. The whole point is we should have a choice. Those who want the orders lifted should have the choice to get on with their lives in a common sense way, following guidelines that are appropriate. Guidelines, no requirements. Recommendations, not requirements. That's the whole point that so many don't get. This used to be America where we have rights and choices. Well, you know, we, government has always had an, an interest in, in protecting public safety. And, and that, that's what we're going through right now. We just have to be smart about it. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Governor Evers' press availability is beginning. Let's join it. No one wants to reopen our economy as much as I do. But folks, like I've said before, it has to be more like turning a dial than flipping a light switch. And that's why Safer at Home is so important, so that we can continue to make sure our health care workers and system aren't overwhelmed while we're taking important steps to be able to turn down that dial safely and sooner. We have heard from workers and businesses across the state about how eager they are to get back to work. We are eager too. This is going to take careful preparation and planning and that's why today we're announcing our Badger Bounce Back Plan to ensure our state can bounce back from COVID-19. As we've learned over the past month in the most difficult of circumstances, we will rise to the occasion helping each other and working together to do what's best for our families, our neighbors, and our communities. Now, I'm jazzed and hopeful about this plan. While being safe at home continues to be very important, this plan is an all-out war on the virus, and it begins the process of preparing our businesses and the workforce to begin the important planning that will result in a safe and logical phase in of our economy. And that's what the Badger Bounce Back is all about, 
our resilience as a people and as a state. So today we announced an order outlining the phases for our Badger bounce back plan, which outlines important metrics for us to be able to reopen our economy in phases and includes steps to make sure our workers and our businesses are prepared to reopen as soon as it is safe to do so. In order to move beyond safe, the safer at home phase, we need to meet some important criteria. The metrics we're using are based in large part on the President's guidelines for opening up America again that was issued by the White House on April 16, 2020. Right now, Wisconsin does not meet the criteria the White House established to start reopening our state. But with our Badger bounce back plan, we're going to be taking some important steps to get us there. First, we need to see a 14-day decline of COVID-19 symptoms reported. Second, we need to see a 14-day decline of positive tests as a percent of total tests. And third, we need to make sure our hospitals can treat all patients and have a robust testing programs in place for at-risk healthcare workers. And finally, as I mentioned last week, we need to increase lab capacity and testing, increase contact tracing, including support for isolation and quarantines so we can track the spread of COVID-19, increase our healthcare capacity, and procure more personal protection, protective equipment. So as part of our Badger bounce back plan, we're expanding testing criteria and increasing lab capacity. Everyone who needs a test should get a test, and we're setting a goal of 85,000 tests per week, about 12,000 tests per day. Wisconsin started its COVID-19 testing efforts with a small group of dedicated labs, including the State Hy Laboratory of Hygiene, the Milwaukee Public Health Lab, UW Health, Gunderson Lutheran, ACL Laboratories, Mayo Clinic, and Wisconsin Diagnostics Lab. This group helped us build a critical base to grow from and we owe a special thanks to each of them for getting in on the ground floor. But as we've learned over the past month, there's a lot we can accomplish when we all work together. It's gonna to be a whole team effort to boost our testing efforts in Wisconsin. Exact Scientists, Sciences excuse me, is devoting a significant portion of its lab capacity and resources to COVID-19 test processing. This will enable them to provide the state with approximately 20,000 tests and processing each week, which we will be distributing to healthcare systems throughout the state. This was a major effort by Exact Sciences undertaken in a very, very short amount of time. Epic is providing crucial assistance in our effort to distribute Exact Sciences tests by providing the interoperability necessary to connect healthcare providers with EXACT to ensure timely processing of tests and reporting of test results. Promega is providing major support by sourcing high demand reagents and materials for a number of labs in the state, including EXACT Sciences Labs. In addition to these materials, they've also shared equipment and provided invaluable problem-solving skills. They are a critical part of our supply chain and supporting expanded testing. This week, Marshfield Clinic Health Systems will be working on ramping up to process 10,000 tests per week from providers around the state. 
and through additional procurement efforts by the state, we will be receiving over 250,000 additional test collection supplies in the coming weeks. I want to thank all these folks for their good work in helping us make sure we can increase our testing levels through our Badger Bounce Back program. Additionally, I'm excited to announce that we are deploying National Guard teams to locations across the state to set up testing sites in places where COVID-19 outbreaks and, and places with community spread. These National Guard teams will set up and administer testing in communities where they are needed most. In fact, their work has already begun with one team at the Milwaukee County House of Correction this weekend. In addition to increasing our testing capacity, we also need to bolster our contact tracing efforts. So our Badger Bounce Back plan also includes an effort to add 1,000 contact tracers to our efforts. Now I need to circle back to my previous comments. In addition to being safer at home, these are historic people power commitments in our 24-7 war against the virus. All of these efforts are critically important to ensuring that we can reopen our economy as soon as we can safely and responsibly can, and to make sure our workers and our businesses are preparing to be open as soon as it is safe. To lead the charge with our business community, WEDC Secretary-designee Missy Hughes is going to be working with small, medium, and large-sized businesses to help us figure out how to minimize disease transmission in the workplace, identify worker safety protocols, and help ensure customer safety as we move forward as a state to bounce back. I know that these continue to be difficult times, but as always, I know Wisconsinites as Wisconsinites, we will rise to the challenge just as we have over the past few months. I want to thank all of you for all the work you're doing to keep our families, our neighbors, and our communities safe by staying safer at home so that our state can bounce back as it always has. And with that, I'll turn things over to WEDC Secretary-designee, Missy Hughes. Thank you, Governor. Today, with the launch of the Badger Bounce Back Plan, we begin two efforts. We bring together two efforts that have been going on since we started fighting this, this challenge in Wisconsin, combating the virus and rebounding the economy. So our job at WEDC is to support the Badger Bounce Back Plan by working with the businesses to continue to weather the storm and now to prepare for the process of reopening the economy. Because as the governor pointed out, we have universally agreed this is not about flipping a switch, but turning a dial. The Badger Bounce Back Plan charges businesses with the task of preparing for the new challenges ahead. The challenge of serving customers safely, of making sure our workforce is secure and protected, and being part of the communities that move ahead. So when we can be confident that we have kept our, our employees, our neighbors, our friends, and our family safe, companies and entrepreneurs, innovators, farmers, chefs, waitresses, barbers, and shopkeepers will all be ready to come back to work and our economy will truly restart. So we need to get ready. This is really nitty gritty hard work 
that we need to do right now in order to be ready for when the criteria that the governor out laid out are, are in line with the opening of the economy. This is hard work of looking at our workspaces and understanding how do we need to change those workspaces? How do we need to change our workflows? How do we make sure that our employees are saying socially distance away from each other and interacting with the public and their customers properly to make sure that we're doing all the protocols in place that will help us maintain our, our safer at home uh, wins and then also to uh, prevent the further spread of the virus. So we're working alongside and in collaboration with the Badger Bounce Back Plan, and we've started what's called Wisconsin Ready. And this is a strategy to help businesses of all types and sizes and types throughout the state to resume operations. So we have three pillars for Wisconsin Ready. The first is roll up our sleeves, and, and then invest in our future and get the word out. So first, rolling up our sleeves. We need to ensure, as I said, that our employees and our customers are safe. In many cases, this will require new ways of doing business to ensure people's safety. And given the diversity of the size and scope and nature of Wisconsin's business, a one-size-fits-all approach is not going to work. So we're going to have a multifaceted effort in collaboration with our state's business leaders to bring together all the right guidelines and protocols for each individual types of businesses that will promote social distancing and other practices as well as HR policies to protect worker health and customer safety. So these protocols and guidelines will help businesses know how to approach their workspace, how to make choices within their different uh, places and their facilities to make sure that they're thinking about, you know, how do we make this work for our new normal. Uh, whether you're a manufacturer, a construction company, a restaurant, or a retail store, you're going to have all sorts of different challenges to face as you're thinking about reopening your business, and we want to be there to assist with that. So the governor, as he mentioned, is asking me to bring together the best minds in the state. We have incredibly strong businesses, as the governor pointed out, with Exact Sciences and Epic and ProMega. We're going to bring these minds together to help us think about how to reopen and how to prepare our businesses for the, the, the challenges that they face and how to have the right tools. And throughout this time, throughout the challenge we've been facing, I've already been working closely with businesses all across the state and our chambers of commerce and our uh, economic development organizations. We have an amazing network of expertise and knowledge that we're going to bring to bear on this challenge and do this together. This is particularly in Wisconsin's wheelhouse to be able to face this and overcome it. We also need to talk about the resources to restart and invest in our future. At WDC, we've been working incredibly hard to understand the economic impacts of this virus and what businesses have been uh, affected and what help they need and what kind of resources we can get them to help restart their operations. We're currently partnering with UW Oshkosh and our 11 regional economic development organizations to conduct a statewide survey to understand the impact and the, and the practical things that our small businesses are facing. We're also looking at real-time merchant transaction data to understand how different business sectors are being impacted. And when we start to restart, we can watch that data and understand where we need to uh, lean in and provide help and, uh, and how those things are developing. So, you know, while these, these uh, impacts have been incredibly devastating, we have continued to assist businesses in accessing federal funds and 
making sure that we're working with our community banks and our credit unions to help them as the federal funds come into our state. And to date, uh, we've had over 43,000 businesses in Wisconsin able to access about $8.3 billion worth of small business funds. So that's an average of about $190,000 per business. And that's really punching above our, our weight class, as they say. Um, we're doing well, and that is really a credit to those community banks and those credit unions that are helping our small business access those funds. And as we see additional funds come through, hopefully in the next few days um, from Washington, we will again be helping small businesses to access that. And I encourage businesses to go to sba.gov or to our website, wedc.org, to make sure that we've got a good pipeline of applications going into the Small Business Administration. At WEDC, we've also been looking for the gaps in that financing, and where can we help the businesses that aren't able to access the small business loans. Um, we've provided grants to uh, many small businesses through our SB 2020 program, and we're very encouraged that we've been able to reach those micro-businesses, those businesses with less than 20 employees, and provide them some support. But this is really just a, a drop in the bucket. And we need to continue to think creatively about how we can assist businesses and, and what they're going to need really to, to grease that engine to get the economy started again. One of the programs that we're developing and thinking about and, and, and going to be proposing is called Restart 72. And this is an effort to bring together resources for a grant program that will help businesses with things like working capital and, and buying inventory. And perhaps, you know, if they need to uh, buy PPE or plexiglass shields for their businesses, making sure that they have the grant dollars to be able to do that. So we look forward to continuing to work with the governor and the legislature legislature on those pieces. And finally, a really critical key part of this effort is our complete uh, commitment and agreement amongst businesses and employees and consumers and customers and all Wisconsin citizens that we all have to do our part. We all have to be a part of social distancing and, and, and respecting each other's protocols that we're putting in place because we're going to do all this hard work to set up our businesses and be ready to receive customers. And so we all need to be part of that effort and, and practicing um, what we preach, as they say, so that we can all uh, get the economy rolling again, which is, which is really what we all want. Wisconsin's economy has always been based on innovation and overcoming adversity. We're problem solvers, we're bootstrappers, we can overcome this challenge. We are incredibly hard workers, and while this is going to take some hard work to overcome, we are completely ready to take this on. So by teaming up with the Badger Bounce Back Plan, we're ready to take up this challenge, and we're ready to be Wisconsin ready. And now DHS Secretary-designee Andrea Palm. Thanks, Missy. Uh, thanks, uh, Governor. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us again today. Uh, with our partners around the state, we at DHS are committed to doing the work we need to turn the dial and open our state as soon as possible. And we are committed to opening up the state without opening ourselves up to a resurgence of the virus. That is how we can protect the well-being of our people and our economy in the most effective way. To do this, the governor has announced the Badger Bounce Back Plan today, and I signed emergency order number 31. The work of federal, state, and local leaders has informed Badger Bounce Back, helping guide our thinking about when to turn the dial 
by providing clear criteria to meet as we work, as we make progress towards our end goal of a healthy and open Wisconsin. Turning the dial will mean reopening in phases. Our first turn of the dial, phase one, will make it possible for restaurants to open while implementing physical distancing, for people to gather in groups of up to 10, and for children to return to childcare. Phase two will turn the dial further with gatherings up to 50 and the opening of bars with physical distancing. Our ultimate goal is to continue to work together with all of you to reopen as widely as possible as soon as is safely possible. We've been committed to transparency during this epidemic from the very beginning. We want you to know everything you need to in order to understand our process and to see how we can all work together to make it possible to open our state up in these phases. To that end, you need to know that we are dramatically increasing testing, as the governor talked about, and that we are striving to ensure that everyone who needs a test will be able to get a test. You need to know that everyone who tests positive will be contacted as part of our expanded contact tracing system. And you need to know that we are increasing the capacity of our healthcare system, including our long-term care facilities. Our healthcare system will need to both be prepared in case of a resurgence and be able to resume providing for the health needs of other patients. We need to get back to a place uh, where we're no longer deferring the needed health care of the people of this state. This is critical to the overall health and well-being of our people and our state. And you need to know how critical PPE is to these steps. We continue to try to procure these items through existing supply chains, including our federal partners at FEMA. We are also partnering with Wisconsin manufacturers to help them increase their output or even to retool their factories to make these supplies for the first time. None of these exist in a vacuum. By themselves, not a single one of these actions is enough. Testing sites need labs, lab results need contact tracers, contact tracers need isolation facilities for patients, patients need, may need hospitals, hospitals need staff, and staff need PPE. Badger Bounce Back is an interconnected plan, and progress on just one aspect will not mean success. That is why partnership is so important. An example of that partnership is our work with Exact Sciences and the community health centers in Milwaukee to support additional testing capacity. Community health centers will first work with their patients and then expand through a network of social service organizations to further help their communities. If you're experiencing symptoms of COVID-19, please call your health care provider to access a test. We cannot save lives and turn the dial without our partners across the state. These partners include our labs, businesses, local health departments, the National Guard, our frontline healthcare workers and first responders, and it includes each of you. We know this isn't easy, but it is incredibly important. It is saving lives and reopening safely as soon as we can by meeting the criteria of our Badger Bounce Back plan and starting our phases to turn the dial that will also save lives by preventing a resurgence of the virus. We have to do this together, and together we will do all we can to make that timeline as short as possible. And as usual, I'd like to give you an update on uh, where we stand today. We have 36 active labs running COVID-19 tests in Wisconsin with a daily lab capacity of 7,238 tests. 
We have 46,603 negative tests, which is an increase of 1,280 over yesterday. We have no new counties uh, reporting cases for the first time. Um, and there are now 4,499 confirmed cases of COVID-19, an increase of 153 cases here in Wisconsin. Our number of COVID-19 hospitalizations is 1,211, which is an increase of 21. And this means that 27% of the people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in Wisconsin have been hospitalized. Our total deaths have now reached 230. That's an increase of 10, and Clark County is reporting their first death from COVID-19 today. It certainly remains difficult to see our daily numbers climb, and that is why our continued work and continued partnership are so important. Thank you for all you are doing and will continue to do to protect your health and well-being and that of your fellow Wisconsin residents. Thank you. We'll now open it up for questions. A reminder to maintain audio quality to keep your phones on mute until it's time to ask your question. And, in the and that is the daily update. Governor Evers announcing the Badger bounce back plan and some of the criteria that he wants to look at before businesses can start reopening. Let's take a quick break. I'll have some thoughts on that and then lots more coming up in the last hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Um, you, you, you heard the governor's press conference and his Bowger bounce back plan. If you listen to it, you do not get the sense that He's anywhere close to allowing the, the, the state to reopen in, in any sort of fashion. We're going to have this committee and, and that committee. The, the only comment, and I'm getting a lot of response on the text line, but the only comment I, I would make, and it goes back to what I was talking about in the first hour of the program, I, I, I think the governor is being disingenuous in, in a way. For example, he said, okay, we want to follow the president's guidelines, 14-day decline of COVID-19 symptoms, 14-day decline of positive tests, make sure hospitals have capacity. Okay, I, I understand this. No, he said Wisconsin does not qualify for that. I don't know if that's true. All Wisconsin might, but my point has been the president's guidelines allow you and allow a governor to open up states by region or even by counties. And again, I, I just, I'm looking at these numbers and 62 of the 72 counties in the state of Wisconsin, week to week from last Saturday to the, to last Saturday from two Saturdays ago, had 10 or fewer new cases. Uh, 56 had five or fewer. 25 counties had no reported cases of COVID-19 at all. Now, I concede that if you look at the state as a whole, and there were a couple hot spots. There were outbreaks. Brown County had a huge resurgence. Milwaukee County had um, 412 cases, week-to-week increase. And if you look at the whole state, I, I accept the idea that maybe you haven't met the criteria. But my question would be, why aren't we looking at regions? And, and my guess is, if you looked at regions, you would see huge chunks of the state of Wisconsin that at least as to the, the criteria of decline of COVID symptoms or decline of positive tests, heck, you have 25 counties that had no positive tests last week, week to week at, at all. 
Now, I don't know about the previous one. You still have counties that have had no instances of COVID-19. So I guess my, my question and the frustration is, why are we saying, for example, that we're going to hold La Crosse and Eau Claire essentially you know, hostage to you know, what's going on down in, in Milwaukee? And my only approach has been this, you, you want to look at it, uh, again, not with a one-size-fits-all approach. Now, do I know for a fact that you've got large regions of the state that, that have the, where the hospitals have the capacity? I, I don't know that. But at the same time, like I say, in Wisconsin, we've got close to 12,000 hospital beds, and their number was that there were 1,211 total hospitalizations. I don't believe that's the number of people that are currently hospitalized. I, I think that's closer to like 400 or between four and 500. So it seems to me there's lots of hospital capacity that, that's out there. And, I mean, don't we need to start looking at it region by region if we're really going to have the, the Badger bounce back plan in in effect. And, and by the way, the president's guidelines do allow governors to look at it. Um, it doesn't have to be a statewide sort of approach. And that's, I guess, that's the thing that I think that we need to look at. All right, let, let us, let, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, first of all, you know, we've been making reference to this over the course of, of the day. Uh, last night, th- this ESPN uh, feature that they have on, on Michael Jordan it's if you have not had an opportunity to watch it, and I don't care if you're if you're a sports fan, it is definitely must watch television. And even if you're not a sports fan, it is absolutely, it's just absolutely fascinating. It's a ten part documentary. Each of the episodes are an hour long. They, they rolled out the first two last evening, and what it does is it focuses on Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, and it's his final year with with the Chicago Bulls. As they're as they're trying to you know win a third consecutive championship, and apparently what they had done is they gave NBA Films like unprecedented access to the the behind the scenes stuff in the bull, with the Bulls and Michael Jordan, and they just this film went nowhere for like twenty years. It just sat around for twenty years, and now they, they've put it together in this documentary, and it's it's just an amazing thing to look at, and and this was a year where it, it's kind of. The, the Bulls are, are trying to maintain the, the dynasty. You've got other teams that are coming up and making a run at them. You've got the coach, Phil Jackson, who'd been told by management that he wasn't going to come back. The management had decided, okay, this is going to be the last year for the team. Scottie Pippen, who was, as they describe him, the Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman, he had signed a, a contract, was way underpaid, and they didn't want to they didn't want to pay him more money, so he's disgruntled. It, it's just, it's a fascinating look, and of course, at the center of all this is Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. If you are a sports fan, or like I say, if you're just a fan of human nature, it's, it's must-watch TV, 10 episodes, first two one-hour episodes aired last night, and next Sunday night, I think the next two one-hour episodes air. So it's called The Last Dance, which is uh, what what Phil Jackson, the coach, named the, the season. He said this is going to be the, the last dance because it made it really clear that they were going to break up the team after that. But again, if you're looking for something to watch, check this out. It is absolutely tremendous. By the way, if you're a fan of the great TV show Breaking Bad, 
Better Call Saul, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad. The uh, the season five, there's going to be six seasons of it. Season five, that finale, that airs tonight. I can tell you where I am going to be at 8 o'clock this evening. Okay, let's take a quick break back with more in just a moment. If you are working at home, and that is a relatively new condition. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. There are heroes among us who run toward danger rather than away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, General Communications, and the Packing House to honor police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and loved ones. If you know of a first responder that deserves recognition for their duties, go to our website, WTMJ.com. It's Steve Scafidi's Salute to Service on WTMJ. Steve has done this for a couple years now. It is an outstanding feature and invites you to check it out. And again, if you know of a first responder who deserves recognition, recognition for their duties let us know about it all right one of the things that that has changed for a lot of people and i know there's a lot of people who have just they've been laid off you've been furloughed in some cases the businesses have closed but for a lot of other people what's happened is your businesses have found a way to stay open but what they've done is they've sent you home i mean that's what happened with with us. I mean, I'm broadcasting from my house. This is the start of the fifth week, and my guess is it's going to be for the, the foreseeable future. There are some people who are in jobs that you cannot work at home. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, maybe you're in the retail industry and you, you've got to be in the business. If you're, you know, you, you do air conditioning or furnace repair, well, okay, you you, you got to go out and you've got to make the, the house calls. If you're a UPS driver or you're a mail truck driver and you've been out there, you know, doing the, the people's business, okay, well, you, you don't have a choice. But for a, a lot of people, you know, what they found is that there's ways that you can start to work at, at home. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am trying to look beyond the the immediate future. Because at some point in time, offices are going to start opening up again. And people are going to start having the the option to, you know, go back to work. I can't tell if it's going to be two weeks from now or four weeks from now or four months from now. But it is going to happen at some point in time. At the same time, I I think what we have been going through has, has changed in some perhaps fundamental ways, the way that, that businesses are going to operate and some of this conventional thinking, which is, gee, we, we have to get everybody together in, in one kind of office space and we have to have everybody sitting at their desks, you know, with their computer screens in front of them. I'm wondering if that's going to be the new normal moving forward or whether that's going to change. If you have started working from home, my question is, do you like it? Would you like to continue to be able to do that even after things, quote, unquote, normalize, whatever normalize would be? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you were given the option to work at home or continue working at home, would you take out? Would you do it? Or do you say, man, I cannot wait to get back to the, the office and, you know, be sitting in my cube, you know, next to some of my colleagues. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Would you like to be able to continue to work at home or 
Is it a situation where you can't wait to get back to work? Eight, five, and by get back to work, I mean get back into the typical office setting. You know, get up in the morning, hop in your car, drive to work, and then sit at the cube all day. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm actually conflicted on this. I'll share that, but we'll discuss. If you find yourself in the situation, uh, do you like working at home? 855-616-1620. Gru is lining up the calls. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. You know, like I said, this is the start of, of my fifth week from broadcasting from home. I will tell you, I thought I was going to hate it, and, and actually... I like it. I mean, I, I, I miss the daily interaction with my colleagues, and it's all like that. But to the extent, I mean, we, we made this adjustment. It was with the stuff our, our engineers gave me. It was almost a, a flawless sort of transition to the extent there were any bugs. They were quickly worked out. Uh, I, I think I'm more productive. I, I'm, I'm not spending a half hour commuting each way. Um, I, again, I, I miss the interaction with my, my teammates and my colleagues and things like that. But otherwise... I, I just, you know, I, I don't mind it that much. 855-616-1620. Courtney in Stevens Point. Courtney, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, um, you like working from home? I do and I don't. Um, so I actually am only on, like, my fourth week at this current job. And within the second week, I was forced to work from home, which is really cool because I love playing with my two dogs, which means I'm spending a lot of time playing with my two dogs and not being very productive. <laughs> so, Right. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, th- thanks for calling. I appreciate it. You know, it, it's... Um you, you have to kind of have this this discipline, I guess. See, I, I think I'm actually kind of more productive because I, I'm, I'm in kind of the same routine and, and all, and now, like, the dog is downstairs and she's blocked off and I'm sitting, the door is closed, I'm in my office. I, again, I, I miss the interaction with people, but it is amazing to me. I think there, there's a lot of, I, I think in some cases people are as productive. Ray in Illinois. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, do you like working from home? Well, I'm a little conflicted on it, and let me kind of explain my situation. Um, I don't drive because I'm visually impaired. I work in technology in downtown Chicago, um, so I need to take a commuter train to get to and from work. Uh, I really right. want to get back to the office. There's just something about you know being able to walk mm-hmm. over to a colleague and ask a question or yep. having that interaction, although who knows what that's going to be like now. But at the same time, sir, I'm not really looking forward to getting on one of those crowded commuter trains anytime <laughs> soon. Well, no, thank, thanks to call rate. No, that that's a valid. I mean, that is a a valid point as well. That's why I I think I think for a lot of businesses that have have put this now in place, the idea of, of reopening is going to be a very very gradual sort of thing. I mean, look, I I mean I understand why my company did this, and I, I appreciate them. They're very responsible, and it's like okay, well let's identify the people that we think can work from home, and then let's have them work from home, and we'll monitor the productivity and things like that. But you know we uh, and again I work for a company that is incredibly employee oriented, teammate oriented, and and responsible, and it's like okay we don't want to have these people take the risk of getting sick or worse yet bringing you know getting sick themselves and then coming to work and getting other people infected and I, I think companies are going to be slow to move away from that 855-616-1620 Amy and Appleton Amy you're on WTMJ hello 
Hi, Jeff. Happy Monday. Hi, Amy. Happy Monday to you as well. Um, how do you feel about Thank working you. at home? Um, as a teacher, I really don't care for it. It's very hard to get all of my students doing yeah. the work and participating in the online learning. I maybe have 25% yeah. of my class. Yeah. So yeah, there's no that's, accountability. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, you know, yours is a profession where I think it's, you know, it's one thing you can do what I do, you know, from, from home and it's, there's no noticeable drop off. If you're a, you know, if you're making phone calls or something, you can do it. Teaching, it's really got to be an in-person sort of thing as a practice. I mean, this, this is a stopgap and it's better than nothing, but you really need that face-to-face contact, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Hey, tell me, I know it's a little off topic, but tell me, what do you think is going to happen once, assuming that the schools open up in the fall? So you, you've got, what, what grade do you teach? Middle school, 7th and 8th grade. Okay, 7th and 8th grade. So let, assuming that you, maybe about 25% of the kids have been keeping up with the curriculum, I mean, what, what's it going to look like next fall? Is there going to be a lot of remedial stuff? How, how do you see that playing out? You know, it's a good question because I've been talking to some colleagues about this and what's going to happen, and I can only think that we all know that there is a gap that they've missed, you know, those months of instruction, so we're going to have to go back and do some teaching, re- you know, fill it in right. because they don't have it. So that's the only right. thing I can think happen. You know, I don't think you're going to have to repeat a grade because I remember you talking about that one day, repeating a grade. Um, that particular grade. I don't think that will happen. I just think that we know what they've missed, and so we right. just teach what they've missed, and then you're going to have to go quicker to get through the whole year, the whole curriculum. Right. Makes sense. So maybe, like, you, you take the first month and you do the last quarter of what, if, if, if you're talking about eighth grade, you do the last quarter of what would have right. been covered in seventh grade and then try to right. catch up. Yeah. No, right. Because I... Mean, cause right. I I, I, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying because I'm sure that there are some parents and some kids who are religiously doing all the online stuff, but my guess is a good percentage of them aren't. <laughs> a good no, percentage right. aren't. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, unfortunately. Amy, th- th- thanks for the call and thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it very much. This is Jeff Wagner.